Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. It's another edition of the Tuckman Podcast here. It's Monday, March the 5th, 2018. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. And uh, you can check out the show all the time at mesmerizedonline.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media. And you can get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and also over at our friends over at The Rule of Truth, which is also part of the iHeart Radio Network. Uh, happy Monday to everybody. Another uh, edition of the podcast. Really checking in with a grapefruit roundup today. And uh, Michael Mayer of Metsmerized Online will join us. Uh, always like catching up with him. And had a chance to catch up with him a little earlier, so you'll hear that on tape. But uh, interesting stuff as uh, we went around uh, the uh, the grapefruit uh, with the Mets and 
got a feel of what his thoughts are. What are some of the positives? What are some of the things that worry him? Uh, players that impress. Uh, we went from, you know, the whole gamut, and I think you'll find that very interesting. Where am I at? And, you know, it's tough right now. It's Spring training is is long, and even though it's a little bit shorter this year because the season starts late March, you can't get too crazy about outcomes, good or bad. And I know that you know a lot of fans now are worried about Stephen Matz, an ERA of about 54. I know everyone's very cautiously optimistic about Matt Harvey after three scoreless innings today. You have Brandon Nimmo, who's been very impressive this spring, as well as Gavin Ciccini and uh, Luis Guillerme. Uh, so some, some names popping up that uh, showing some some positives. But you really just have to take this, I don't want to say with a grain of salt, it's all about the process, it's all about players getting to shape. I will tell you that Nimmo, the more you hear him talk, he's grounded, he's polite, very level-headed. The more you watch him, he's a very interesting player. I don't know if he's a center fielder, and I don't know if he's an everyday player, but uh, he's a guy that can get on base. He's a guy with the right attitude. He seems to have a winning attitude. And, uh, you know, he very well may take the starting center field job away from Juan Lagares. Now, Lagares will probably be a late-inning defensive guy, but Lagares is going to lose this uh, uh, job to him if uh, Nimmo keeps it up. Now, still a lot of spring training left here. we got a two and a half, three weeks, so a lot could happen. But uh, certainly Nimmo's been a big surprise. I think, um, uh, you know, the health of the starters certainly is a, is a big story, and, and really getting through spring training healthy is going to be the big story. May have some positional battles with guys like Matt Perk and P.J. Conlin. Uh, Jacob Rahm might be putting his name into the mix out of the bullpen. Uh, Gerson Bautista, the name uh, which is that raw arm that was part of the Addison Reed trade from the Red Sox has been impressive as well. And, you know, can somebody who was in low A, high A, uh, make the jump to the big leagues this year? Who knows? It's it's probably unlikely out of spring training, but you've seen it. Look, Jabba Chamberlain about 10 years ago, big jump with the Yankees through the system. So it can happen. And it has happened before. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say it would happen for opening day, but we have seen these kind of uh, situations unfold. So uh, hard to really see things crystallize right now. Uh, still trying to get a feel of how many pitchers will the Mets carry? Will they carry, you know, with the five starters and eight relievers, will they carry 13 pitchers and only 12 positional players? Uh, it'll be very much uh, interesting to see what uh, that's all about. You also have a situation where, you know, first base, uh, you know, who will be the first baseman? Adrian Gonzalez has not looked good. We all know the situation with Dom Smith with the injuries and showing up late. You know, maybe Wilmer Flores turns out to be the best option there. Uh, the Yankees just signed Adam Lind, and, and I know that I find it unlikely to see Lind potentially get a spot with the Yankees. To me, that's a showcase. You're seeing some of that with Mike Napoli out in Cleveland. With the Mets towards the end of spring, if Gonzalez doesn't seem to round it to form, would they sign uh, somebody uh, like that late if they had a good spring or pull off a trade? Remains to be seen, but that's something I put out there. Remember one thing. You know, you see a Jose Reyes slumping in spring training. You see a Adrian Gonzalez slumping in spring training. You see how their bats are slow. 
for veterans like Gonzalez, like Arreyes, who are not really used to winning jobs throughout their career, and I think Gonzalez is playing more for job than Reyes, and, and maybe I'm wrong on both. Maybe maybe both were given guarantees to say, hey, you're going to start the season, and, and we'll take it from there. But I always remember the story. It was back in 2006 when Jose Valentin came to spring training, did not look really great, uh, made the squad out of spring training uh, early in the season, wasn't really contributing, and then all of a sudden Kaz Matsui was uh, slumping, the Mets, uh, he might have even been an injury, if I, if I remember correctly, to Matsui. And Valentin came in and, and won the job and was in a really key part, both offensively and defensively, defensively to that 2006 club at second base. He was the perfect number, like, 7-8 hitter, brought a, a, a high level of offense to the bottom of the lineup, extended the Mets lineup, a 2006 lineup that was very American League-ish, of course, without the DH. And, uh, you know, the point being with veterans, you have to give them some time. You have to give them some rope at times. Uh, and in so, and the first two weeks of spring training, I mean, literally, we just started March, may not be necessarily the right time to start uh, pulling the plug. So I know everybody's making a big deal about Gonzalez's concerns. We'll see what our buddy Michael Mayer has to say about that. And then finally, you know, regards to Matt and to the starting pitching, and you heard a quote from Nimmo talking about how this coaching staff, and this is what I really, it's just so refreshing. From, from the minute these guys got into camp, it's just so refreshing how things are being done. But it, he talked about competing and winning jobs. doesn't matter who you are. And I think that really goes double for the starting pitchers. There is no scholarships here. If Steven Matz, doesn't show that he's making progress. And I'm not so much worried about the numbers. I'm, I'm worried about the process. You know, showing confidence out there on the mound, commanding his pitching, uh, showing progress towards opening day. I mean, this is a guy who got lit up in his first start a couple of years ago, uh, if you remember, when it was his first full season. And uh, you know, then he came into Cleveland and shut down a very powerful Indians lineup that wound up going to the World Series. So Steven Matz, he has a large enough sample size where you know what he can do, but he has to prove it, and he has to prove that he's uh, the right guy to be one of the five starters coming out of uh, Port St. Lucie into opening day. Uh, and if that's DeGrom and Syndergaard and Harvey and Vargas, and then maybe it's uh, Gazelman or Seth Lugo, and, and if that means Matt's has got to go to the minors, then he's got to go to the minors. Options are also a thing out there. Uh, there this goes back to what I said when Zach Wheeler got upset about Jason Vargas signing. Nobody's guaranteed anything, anything on this team. No starter. The only two starters, if healthy, that are guaranteed a spot, in my opinion, are Jacob DeGrom and Noah Syndergaard. Everybody else has to compete. And probably Matt Harvey is going to be given a little rope because of who he is and what he's accomplished. And you saw that today. Uh, And he seems to be rounding himself out to be that number three. It makes you wonder, though, Watching Harvey, when you're on that note, when you're talking about competing and and winning a job, it makes you wonder if you're ever going to feel the same about Matt Harvey as long as he's in a Mets uniform. You know, I was that was coming to my mind today because you saw how he was able to gut through three innings using his curveball, got in and out of trouble, got behind some hitters. Uh, 
you know, Matt Harvey, uh, he's not going to be, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you'll see him around some of that form when the season starts, but I don't think you're going to see the 2015 Matt Harvey. Forget about the 2013 Matt Harvey. And you wonder, well, no matter what he does, let's say he's a 12, 13 game winner, has an ERA of about three and a half, four, shows enough as a, as a stable number three, number four pitcher in this rotation to give you six inning, three run starts, quality starts keeps you in ball games, but if it's not sexy, if it's not double-digit strikeouts or strikeout per inning or vintage Matt Harvey, will he always be looked at as a failure? So that's the part which is maybe unfair in all this. You've got to earn positions here. You've got to be able to earn your spot. But in the case of Harvey, though, will it ever be good enough anymore? Because Mets fans know what he was. We're talking good and Seaver-like. We know what he, what he was at the peak. And it'll never be like that. And he didn't accomplish what a Gooden did in, at his peak. And, and I think Mets fans were more accepting of a compromised Gooden in 1990, 1991, versus what Matt Harvey may be, his lesser self, which still might be pretty good. So the, the, you know, just a little non-sequitur sidebar over there, you know, throwing it in there as I was thinking and talking about it. But at the end of the day, the big theme is competition. And, and uh, you know, you're not here to get, uh, you know, freaked out about performance and, 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 and stats one way or the other. It's a, long, uh, it's a long ride. Individuals are competing. And that's the best part. When there's competition, when there's uh, depth, you don't have to sit back and hope that Steven Matz gets it together because you have somebody else jumping right in there. Is it going to be Seth Lugo? Is it going to be Robert Gazelman? Is it going to be Zach Wheeler? Who knows? I know A.J. Griffin's in camp. I don't see him as a serious threat. You also got guys like Corey Oswalt and, and, um, and Chris Flexen. I mean, there are going to be names coming out throughout the year. You don't know if they're going to be at the level of, obviously, the top six or seven starters, but at some point, these guys might be called upon, and, and, and who knows? Like, nobody would have known Robert Gazelman and Seth Lugo would have been key parts of this rotation back in 2016 when, when, when the team broke camp. Probably nobody knew their names unless you were a hardcore minor league enthusiast. So you have that. And, and one final thing before we get to Michael Mayer, because I do want to get to Michael. If you guys ask for injury updates, and the media asks for injury updates. And the Mets decided last year to give pretty much an update every day about every ache and pain that goes on with this club. You can't freak out over every ache and pain. If you believed all this time, and I've said this, I've said this on this show before, if you believed all this time, every player, which, what, which injuries weren't reported, were healthy and feeling 100%, then you were fooling yourself. If you believe that, then I got a bridge to sell you. Players are nicked up all year. There's a difference between being injured and unable to play. There's a difference between being banged up and injured. Uh, Huge difference. And, uh, you know, to see the freaking out on Twitter from Mets fans about every little ache and pain that this team reports makes you almost wish the team didn't agree to report all the injuries because it almost drives you nuts. So just a little thing. But again, uh, you know, hard for me to get here, spend a lot of time on results. And, and, and basically, I got to tell you, the one player all spring that has really stood out to me and impressed me is Brandon Nimmo. The more I see of him, the more I like him. 
Definitely positives on the health of the pitching. Uh, you know, definitely like what Matt Harvey's brought to the table because I think he's going to be a key, key component to that rotation. He definitely, if he could give you above league average, number three level performance, I mean, it just it slots Vargas into the back half of the rotation where I think he's better. And then you figure out who your number, you know, five out of that is. Is that going to be Wheeler? Is that going to be Mats? Is that going to be Lugo? I think at the end of the day, Mats will fi- figure it out. And Mats is certainly better than a number five. Um, and eventually, you probably believe Mats is himself. He'll push Vargas into where he belongs, which is a number five starter. And who knows? Maybe Matt Harvey at this point compromised Matt Harvey. Maybe he's a number five at some point. Maybe he's not going to be the number three. We don't know. That's where all the question marks come into play. And that's where you just have to sit back and watch this unfold. And that's what's really good. This seems to be a camp where competition is promoted. Nobody's giving anything. No one's given anything. And uh, the manager is going to go out there and he's going to push these guys to uh, perform. And as he says, be the best version of who they can be. So anyway, let's take a break. When we return, Michael Mayer, Mets Marized Online, Mets Miners. You can check him out on Twitter. Let's talk about what he thinks, what's going on, the positives of camp, the, uh, the things that concern him. What does he think about the rotation? What, are there, what positional battles is he looking at? What about the bullpen? Can, you know, can the Mets look at a second lefty? A lot of questions I have. I want to get his take. Uh, he watches the minors. He watches this team. He watches it from a, uh, an eye of a writer, from a, a scout, uh, from a fan. A lot of different ways he looks at it. I think that's what makes uh, my segments with Michael really cool. So let's take a quick break. When we return, Mike Mayer of Mets Mars Online right after this. Hey, Mets fans. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. If you're looking for the best unbiased and independent coverage of the New York Mets, then look no further than MetsmerizedOnline.com. Metsmerized Online is the go-to place for comprehensive Mets coverage, including exclusive interviews, daily original articles, great weekly features, in-depth analysis, minor league reports, game-by-game breakdowns, and so much more. Find out why thousands of fans turn to Metsmerized Online every day to get the latest news and opinions about the Mets. Coming from an impressive staff of the most passionate fans and skilled writers ever assembled all in one place. Check it out for yourselves, Mets fans. Go to MetsmerizedOnline.com right now. That's Mets, M-E-R-I-Z-E-D, online.com, and get Metsmerized today. We're back, and uh, joining us from Metsmerized Online, executive editor. You can also check him out at Mets Miners on Twitter, at Mike Mayer MMO. It's uh, Michael Mayer. Been a while since we talked to him. And, Michael, we're starting to get into the meat and potatoes of spring training. Welcome to the program. And I guess here's how we'll start off. Give me two positives, two concerns you have. I guess, what are we, two weeks into spring training right now? Yeah. Um, let's, let's go with the concerns first, just because those ones kind of stick out more to me. I would say, uh, I think, I think it's pretty concerning that, uh, we've seen guys like Lucas Duda sign cheap, uh, Logan Morrison sign cheap. Even the, the Yankees got Adam Lynn on a minor league deal. And yet we, we're currently stuck with Adrian Gonzalez, who, just 
he look, he looks done to me. I mean, I know it's just two weeks, but I mean, it's beyond just the numbers, which aren't good two for fifteen. But he his bat looks slow. He, uh, nothing, nothing. I haven't seen anything positive from him at the plate. And I mean, we're talking about. He's already mentioned that it's it's kind of a David Wright thing where he has to come in two hours early just to get his back ready. So I I don't know if at 36 years old that's that's something that's going to be conducive to him being productive on the field. So I that that's an obvious worry that's combined with the fact that Smith has only had one at bat all spring. So I I think that's first base and the um, status of those two is definitely one of the bigger concerns. And then obviously you have to talk about uh, Steven Matz after getting shelled today and he didn't look good in his first outing either. So uh, Matz has to be at the top of those concerns too with, uh, I mean, even there's beyond Syndergaard, DeGrom, DeGrom who's behind a little bit, and then Vargas, there's there's no guarantees in that rotation, so you'd like to see a couple of guys stand out, and Matt's has cer- certainly done anything but stand out. Um, so to jump into a few positives, I would, uh, I think you got to look at guys at second base. I mean, Cicchini, who was awful at the plate last year, is he was out on his front front foot all the time with his swing and. He got this loop in the swing that got away, he got away from hitting for line drives, which was a big key for him. And he looks he looks much different at the plate. And uh, he talked about it even before spring, and then he's kind of followed it up. I mean, he's got two home runs already, another double, and he's he's looked much better at the plate. Um, so I mean, that's a definite positive for a former first round pick that the Mets have uh, thought a lot of in the past, and. Uh, Past this year, second base is a huge question because they just have that stopgap of Cabrera there. So, and then you jump to another second baseman. Well, he's playing second base, and Luis Guillerme, and he's another guy that's had a good spring so far. And backing up again, what he did in the off season, he tried to bulk up a little bit and tried to start pulling the ball more to try to um, get some more power because he's a guy in the minor leagues that's. He's got a 376 on base last year in Double A, and he also he walked more than he struck out. He's a Gold Glove caliber guy at shortstop and second. I mean, so we're talking about the only thing that he was really missing in this game is some power because he's uh, he's bottom scale of the power. So and he's he's shown a little more. He hit a home run um, this spring already. He's got a he had a double the other night, and he looks like he's at least trying to pull the ball a little more so I think looking at those two young guys could be a positive because we just don't know what you're going to get from Cabrera when he's been on the field he's been productive but he he can't stay on the field and then like I said beyond this year they don't have any answer at second base uh guaranteed one so I I definitely think those two guys are positive and uh I also would like to talk about Callaway and just the coaching staff how he's handled things. Um, I think that has got to be a huge positive as well. Everything I've seen, heard, uh, Jacob Resnick, one of our writers from MMO and MMN, that's Miners, was down there for the last couple of days, and he talked about it, told me about it too. It's just, there's a a difference this year. 
there's a there's a different feel in spring, and uh, I think that's a good thing from last year. Last year it, it seemed to kind of get uh, laid back a little bit, and they they kind of had a weird plan with the pitchers, and it didn't seem like they got ready. And I I think that's something that's going to change or has changed this spring. So can't agree more. I mean the uh, the coaching staff, and again they can't win 95 games for them, but totally agree with that. You bring up the second base options with Shakini and Guillerme, and it makes me wonder. Uh, you brought up Adrian Gonzalez. Jose Reyes is one for his first 11 here in spring training. I don't think they'd release Reyes. Uh, I don't think his job is in jeopardy. But uh, you have to wonder, at some point, if Reyes doesn't produce, would one of those options, and maybe be Chichini first that would come up, play the Reyes role, sub in at second, you know, maybe a little bit, you know, at third, if Frazier has to play first. Uh, I don't think Shashini's going to play short. Um, could they play somewhat of a versatile role? I think Reyes is also really going to be kept around because he's insurance for Rosario. Um, but what are your thoughts on that? Because you talk about Gonzalez, but Reyes, uh, you know, he didn't have such a great first three months of last year. Yeah, he had a good back half of the year. Who knows, you know, what that means. And now he's off to a slow start in spring. With veterans, hard to tell, but it is something I've been thinking about as you watch uh, the two young second basemen you mentioned before. Yeah, I think, I mean, I I thought there was better options out there to bring Reyes back instead of Reyes anyway. Uh, they preached, one of the things he Alderson preached deep, was defense, trying to improve that this off season. And while Reyes can play third, short, second, even played a couple innings in the outfield last year, he does none of them well. He doesn't any, do any of them average at this point in his career. He's a below average defender at every single position he plays. So, I mean, that takes a lot of the value for me away from having a guy on the bench when he can't even play a single def- uh, spot good defensively. Um, I think he's going to get a lot of rope, unfortunately, um, partially because of last year, because he was one of the worst players in Major League Baseball for a stretch to start last year, and they they still stuck with him. And then he he did hit very well in the second half last year. Um, I guess it depends on how they utilize him. Look, he, he's been, since re-signing with the Mets, he's been horrible against right-handers, and he's crushed lefties. So, I mean, as long as they use him in that role, which I don't know where you fit him in because Cabrera has been the same way the last couple of years. He's hit lefties really well. So, I mean, both of those guys are not looking at a small sample size. You're looking at two years of both of those guys hitting lefties much better than they do righties. And you have that with Flores too. So, yeah, I I think ultimately I think he gets a ton of rope. Um, Unfortunately, I know the whole him with Rosario being kind of like a big brother to him has, got a lot of play and pull and I just think if I mean come June and race is doing the same thing last year I got to cut bait and Guillermo has got to be my guy I mean he's great defensively at second and shortstop and he's played some third too because I mean ultimately he knows Mets know that he might be a utility type guy and then then you have a guy who's played with Rosario because that's the original reason he moved over to second in St. Lucie is because they were playing together. So it's not like he doesn't have a good deal with Rosario too. So you can't keep up 
playing that whole Rosario Reyes thing. Rosario's going to have to play without Reyes at some point, so that can't be a main factor in keeping a guy like him around. Michael Mayer, Mets Marines Online, Mets Miners joining us. Uh, starting to get into the hardest spring training. It's not really early anymore. It's not late. Wanted to get a feel of his thoughts. Obviously, some of the writers from Metsmorized Online spending some time down in Port St. Lucie. When you think about Adrian Gonzalez, the challenge you always have, and I think back to 2006 where Jose Valentin looked so horrible, if I remember correctly, in spring training and came into the season and everybody wanted to release him. And all of a sudden, due to injuries and lack of performance by Kaz Matsui, he becomes the starting second baseman and actually has a pretty good year. Now, who knows, you know, you correctly point out Gonzalez has a totally different situation. You know, how long do they give him that rope? And then here's the other thing. You mentioned Adam Leand. Uh, you know, he's probably not going to make the Yankees. I, I just, I, you, you get a feel, guys like him, Napoli, I think they're just trying to get jobs to showcase themselves in a big league camp rather than go to, you know, camp no job. And uh, you have to wonder as you get towards the second, third week of March, I don't know when opt-outs will be. Everyone's contract, usually it's around the 20-something, 22nd-ish type of thing, you know, two, three, two and a half weeks from now. Maybe there's an opportunity to grab one of these guys at that point, provided they play well. So I guess it's a two-part question. What do you see about the rope with Gonzalez? And, you know, you mentioned other names. I, I don't think those names are out the window because I don't know if those guys are going to make the club. Not due to so 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 much, but a guy like Adam Leand I was thinking about. Yeah, I think um, Joel Sherman point, made a good point. Once, um, once Michael Conforto comes back, which we all think, or at least we've been told, May 1st is the date, and then I guess there's some quiet optimism that he might be before then. But either way, we're looking roughly – month five weeks into the season you're looking at um conforto coming back so conforto coming back and then you have to you got to find room for guys because you're going to have bruce and wright could and then conforto would be in center but what if nimmo's playing great in center what if lagaris is playing great in center and you want to keep those guys and one of those guys in the lineup then you could put conforto and Wright and kind of slide bruce down to gonzalez so i think I think that is when – so basically I think Gonzalez probably gets about five weeks, and if he's doing awful and you got one of those two center field options looking good, then I think they really would have to think hard about kind of jumping ship on him because then they can slide um, Bruce to first base at least um, against right-handers because you have Flores who can play there against lefties. So that's – I mean, it would be kind of a platoon situation there, and then at some point you hope – Dom, uh, Dom Smith proves that he's a major league first baseman. And then to the second, the second part. Yeah, I know Lynn's, uh both Lynn and Napoli. They both have uh, opt out. Um, they even Francona said he was doing Napoli a favor by um, bringing him into camp so that scouts could see him against major league pitching. And like you said, I don't, I don't see uh, the Yankees having that need either. I think uh, that was kind of the same situation where he was just wanted to get into a camp and uh, show people what he had. So, I mean, uh, Danny Valencia, he's another one that signed with the Orioles the other day. 
uh, he could be in the same boat. I and mean, like you said, there's there's going to be more options at the end of camp, and I think um, I think that's the type of thing that uh, Alderson's going to monitor. So I, I think that's why he wasn't aggressive with any of those guys going out and uh, doing that while they still have Gonzalez, because those guys are likely still going to be options in three weeks. But, uh, I mean, the the name I keep coming back to, because we talked about second base, and now we're talking about first base, the name I keep coming back to is Neil Walker, because he's still out there. He can play second. He can play first. I know he's had some back issues the last two years, but he still, I mean, still played 110 games. I mean, 110 games of Neil Walker is most likely a heck of a lot better than 130 games of Adrian Gonzalez or even 120 games of uh, Cabrera at second because Cabrera has looked awful there defensively. So I think, I mean, at some point you got to think about bringing Walker in on a cheap one-year deal like these guys have been getting. It's probably premature. Could you see Peter Alonso at some point this year sneaking into the conversation? at all in the big league uh, equation? I The power is there. I mean, he's got major league power, and he looked better at the end of last year against right-handed pitching, which had been somewhat of a problem. He was kind of showing reverse split, uh, not reverse split, he's showing splits where he was hitting lefties very, very well and not hitting righties too well. But he, uh, he made some changes, and he did that well at the end of last season. So, I mean, he's going to start in double A, and He's the type of guy that I think is going to be a major league hitter. The, the big question becomes is his defense. Uh, I've The reports last year were bad. Uh, I got a chance to see him. He he didn't look good over there. Um, I guess the good news is he's in a little he's in a little better shape this year. I mean, a lot of people talked about uh, Smith last year, but Alonso did not come into camp in good shape. Um, but he went to instructs this year. And he he looked better. The reports are better at first base. So, and he's he's looked okay over there. I just I think, but yeah, like you said, I mean, if uh, Gonzalez is gone by then, so they're trying Bruce um, Smith still isn't cutting it. I mean, but they have an interesting dilemma. If he's still killing the ball at Double A, then. Uh, I I don't think it's out of the question that he could leapfrog Smith just because he's got that type of um, he's got some of the best power in the Mets complete system. I mean, I'm talking major league players too. Um, so he he could get himself into the conversation later in the year if he's if he's hitting the way he's capable of, and Smith just proves that he's not ready, which uh, that's what he's shown on and off the field recently. Michael Mayer, Mets Miners Online, Mets Miners, joining us. Uh, a couple more things here as we go around the Mets and, and see where they're at. It's, you know, March 5th and uh, not exactly late or early. You're in that kind of where the next two weeks are going to be real pivotal for a lot of members of the roster. You look at uh, the rotation and you mentioned Stephen Matz being a concern and it looks like it may be more uh, aggressiveness, confidence, what have you. That's what Mickey Calloway brought up uh, post-game today. I really feel for the first time, you know, you mentioned the coaching staff, I, and, and I could be totally wrong here, but I think they're going to go out and take the best five starters. Matt has options. I mean, I don't know how Wheeler's going to pitch. I mean, Montero's in this whole thing. Other than Syndergaard, and let's say DeGrom gets himself 
healthy for the first week of the season. Maybe not opening day, but the first week. So somewhere within the first seven days, he's going to start. The only two that have, in my opinion, from day one been guaranteed rotation spots are DeGrom and Syndergaard. The rest have to earn it, and that includes Matt Harvey. And Matt's would fall into that. I, I think they would take the best five. Would you see a scenario where a Matt's, um, you know, you might even have a, a Gazelman and a Matt's down in AAA and see maybe a Montero and a Lugo in the rotation. Uh, obviously, Vargas is there too, so that, that muddies it up a little bit. What are your thoughts on the rotation, and what do you see? Is this, a, is this really a competition, or do you feel the name value of a Matt's or guys like that would give a leg up uh, as they get towards the end of spring training, regardless of how the outcomes look uh, throughout the spring? Well, I think really what it boils down to is that fifth spot. Um, I think you got Syndergaard, DeGrom, assuming the health. I, I, it sounds like not opening day, but that first week, like you said, um, and then Vargas. And then I, for me, I, I think I don't think they're going to mess with Harvey um, being bullpen or whatever else. Um, I think he's pretty much a lock for that fourth spot. So I think really what you're talking about you're talking about Matts. You're talking about Lugo. You're talking about Wheeler and Gazelman and even Montero, if you want to throw him in there. You're talking about that five guys for that last spot. And like you said, I, I think this is the this is the type of coaching staff. They're just they're not going to pick the name guy or whatever. They're not going to. They don't have any ties to any of these guys. You got a new pitching coach and you got a new uh, manager and all these guys, except Montero, all the other guys get options. So um, I think they're going to go with the best guy for that fifth spot. And r- right now, it's 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 certainly not Matt. Um, and we, Wheeler, to me, uh, he just he, he's shown good velocity, which is a good sign from him. But he's he's still just to me. After seeing him pitch, he's just – he's a nibbler. And I just – he reminds me so much of uh, John Main at times. It, you just – you get frustrated because you know they they have the talent, but they, they just don't have the control. And um, I don't see that changing with Wheeler. So, for me, I think in the end, I think he ends up in the bullpen. So, I mean, you're looking at Gazelman and Lugo, who I think have both looked good this spring. But Lugo impressed me the most. Um, he uh, he threw f- all four of his pitches well the other day. So I think I I mean if you have to pick a front runner right now, I think pitching wise it's Lugo. I think rope wise it it's probably Wheeler. I think he he's he's going to get the most chances. But I still think they'll pick pick the best guy because they can fill out some bullpen spots. I mean they you've seen it over with Cleveland they how they use Andrew Miller in multiple inning spots. I think that's a type of spot that Gazelman and um Lugo with both um excel in. Cuz the one thing with Lugo that um you did see you even saw it the other day. I know it's spring, but he was um lights out for two innings and then that third inning when they got to see his stuff, he got hit a little more. So and he's had success in the bullpen. So to get back to it, yeah, I I think they so I basically think they're down to that fifth spot, and I, I think they 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 pick whoever they think is the best pitcher. So and then you're gonna see 
likely one of those guys to the bullpen. And uh, if they're all healthy, you're you're gonna have to see someone get optioned to AAA too. Gerson Bautista acquired in the Addison Reed trade. He's been the most intriguing arm out of that. You and I have talked about him before. He's looked good so far this spring. I know this is a guy that was in A ball. I don't expect him to make the club. But his performance, regardless, again, grapefruit league action, you don't know how that translates to April, May, June. Makes you wonder, is this an arm that if he matures, could he move up the line quickly, being that he's a bullpen arm this year? I think I think the Mets have enough options, be it some of the um, starters we just talked about that could go to the bullpen and some other guy, arms I like, like uh, Tyler Bachelor, who we've seen this spring. He's struggled a little bit, but his last couple outings have been good. Um, Jamie Callahan and Jacob Rame. Rame has looked really good this spring. Um, so I think they have enough of those other options that are closer that I think they'll they'll take it a little slower with Batista, not only because of his inexperience. I mean, he's he hasn't even thrown a pitch in double A yet, but he he's just a little bit raw. He's still got some uh, mechanical things. He still flies open sometimes, which uh, he gets so he loses control of his fastball and his slider's inconsistent. Uh, control-wise and break-wise. So I think, um, I just think they'll give him some time in double-A this year. Um, could be quite a bit of time, but that, that's not because of I, they don't see potential. I think that's because they do see potential in him. I mean, he's he's got laid, I don't want to say closer stuff, because uh, nowadays, I mean, that, that stuff, especially with Callaway, it's not going to be, that's not always your best pitcher, but He's got back end of the reliever, shut down reliever type stuff. I mean, the other day he threw a 98 mile hour fastball right by a guy, and then the next pitch was 88 slider right on the black that was nasty. So I mean, when you see stuff like that, you you get excited. So I think he he's definitely the high end type ceiling for any of those younger guys. But I I think they'll be a little more cautious with him just because. Um, Alderson did get a couple of good arms that we're going to see this year. Drew Smith was another one that I didn't mention, and he's looked good this spring, and he's actually pitched a little in double and triple A, so I think he's kind of ahead of him on the depth chart too. So I think I think they'll be a little more cautious with him to try to get fine-tune him and not rush him, kind of like uh, when they rushed Akeel Morris. One last thing here before we wrap up, Michael, and we have Mike Mayer from uh, Mets Marized Online, Mets Miners. I've always been a proponent of a second lefty in the bullpen. They got Jerry Blevins. Uh, you've mentioned P.J. Conlin, starter. He looks like he's going to be converting to a, a situational lefty. Matt Perk, who they got from the, the White Sox. Both those guys not on the 40-man roster. So with the Mets 40-man roster being kind of jammed, there could be opportunity there. Uh, personally, uh, Hansa Robles is a guy that I would certainly start to look at moving away from on the roster, but Regardless, not so much about Robles, what do you think about a second lefty in the bullpen, and, and how realistic would it be with a good spring, either of those guys coming north uh, with the ball club? I think um, the Mets have kind of sent the message that they don't they don't believe they need a second left-hander. I mean, you guys, you had guys like Jorge 
De La Rosa, um, Kevin Seagriff, uh, Robbie Ross, guys that all are useful lefties that signed on minor league deals. So, so there was guys out there that weren't expensive and wouldn't have cost the 40-man spot at the time if they wanted to sign them. So I think that's between that and they've come out and said that they don't think they need a second lefty. So I, I don't think it's a given that there'll be one on the opening day, especially since I think there's a chance they start with a seven-man bullpen because of a couple off days built in. So between the seven-man bullpen and likely one of those bullpen guys being a former starter, I think that I think they're going to feel comfortable without a second lefty. Um, having said that, um, I like Matt Perk. Uh, he's throwing, I mean, he's low 90s, which, I mean, that's enough for a lefty, as we've seen with Blevins. I think he's actually got a couple of miles on Blevins, and he's, he hides the ball pretty well. Um, good, decent slider. He's pitched very well against the lefties the last couple of years in the minors. I mean, this is a guy we're talking about who was a first-round pick, and uh, they were trying to a rare first-round pick that didn't sign in Perk, um, and then was a third-round pick of the Nationals and got a huge bonus. So, but and he hurt his arm, so he's he's not at the same velocity as he was before, but he still got some decent secondary stuff, and he he uh, he's tough for lefties. So I think. If they do carry a second lefty, I think he's definitely um, the front runner because he, he does have some limited major league time too. Um, and I think Conlon, while not the same uh, caliber of pitcher, obviously, um, as Andrew Miller, but I think the Mets see him in kind of that role. Or I guess Sean Gilmartin's a better example, kind of that role where he can pitch two, three innings and he's out there in case you need a spot starter real quick and he can throw you 65, 70 pitches. So I think I, I think we'll see. It's a long season, so I got a feeling we'll see both of those guys in the major leagues at some point. But I, th- I think there's a real possibility, um, even likelihood, that they don't start with a second lefty. I think they've made it clear that they don't think that's entirely necessary. And then you have to talk, I think you have to talk about, um, at some point you have to talk about Matt for that role if he continues to um, struggle as a starter. I mean, because of his arm, he would be intriguing out of the bullpen. So maybe he's the guy you think about as that real Andrew Miller type role. I think he, that's he could that's he, interesting. he could be very dominating out of the bullpen. And he's, he's shown he can't long-term um, over a season be healthy. So I think, I, I think Matt, I think Matt could be very intriguing in that type of role. What are you going to be looking at the rest of spring as we wrap up here? Any uh, storylines, things you're going to be doing? Give the listeners an idea of what to expect as we go through the spring. And opening day is not that far away. We're looking, what, about three and a half weeks? Less than a month. Yeah. And it will be in March. So it's sooner than you think. So spring training is coming to – a fast and furious mid to end part of it very quickly. Oh, definitely. And I think, I mean, the biggest thing covering the Mets, being a Mets fan, all of that connected is just get through the next three and a half weeks healthy. Um, have all those guys ready for you. Have Conforto close to being ready. And, uh, 
yeah, just hope everyone's ready and I think ready and healthy. And I think a lot of this stuff, I, a lot of this stuff just works itself out as long as everyone is healthy. Because um, I mean, Degrom, you gotta hope he comes back. Swarzak hasn't thrown, uh, so you hope he comes back. Uh, and so I, I think that's a big thing. Um, and overall, I think, I think I'm more excited or looking forward to the season than I expected I was going to be when the uh, off season first started. Granted, I still think they got some lower level options. Um, on some of the holes they filled, but they still feel, I still feel like they did um, go out and get a lot of the needs that they, that they should have. Um, I still would have went for uh, a higher priced guys at a couple of spots, but, but, but they did fill those needs. So it's, they're a wild card contender and um, I, I don't think they're too far off from the Nationals. I mean, I think I think a lot of it could come down to 2015. I mean, those the Nationals might have had a better team than the Mets. The Nationals got bit by injuries. Um so I think I think you you go into this year thinking that okay, we're only a little bit away from the Nationals stay healthy and then at the deadline you see what happens. Very fair. Michael, appreciate the time you were generous with it. We'll catch up as the season progresses. Good stuff. Be well, and we'll talk soon, all right? Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Mike. And that's Michael Mayer. You can check him out on Twitter at Mike Mayer, MMO. And you can check him out at MetsMarsers Online and uh, MetsBiners.net. So good stuff from Michael there. Always enjoy his take. And, uh, you know, he really gave you a lot to uh, to think about there. Uh, regarding uh, what his thoughts are, and he's certainly down on uh, Adrian Gonzalez. I still think, I still think that you have to give the veterans a little bit of rope there. And uh, the other big takeaway I'll tell you from that is, uh, you know, even his thoughts about how different camp is. I'm telling you guys, I don't know what the, how, the talent level of this team certainly will dictate a lot, and health. But part of health is preparation and focus and putting your body in a position to win. And you heard it from Mike. You know, there was a lax camp in prior years. I really don't think this team has worked hard since their World Series year. And, you know, having that difference, I think, is going to really show on the results on the one-loss record on the field. We'll see. I could be wrong. But I really think it'll show on those results. Hey, we're out of time. Make it a little bit quicker here today. Um, enjoy the segment Michael Mayer. You can check him out on MetsMorizedOnline.com, MetsMiners.net. Of course, you can check me out all the time on MetsMorizedOnline.com, as well as over at our friends at The Grueling Truth, which is also the iHeartRadio Network, and on iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Talking Mets Podcast. Till then, take care.
Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.